All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, 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 it's the Daily Face-Off Show. Today is Tuesday, January 25th. Welcome in. A little bit of breaking news for you this morning. The San Jose Sharks announcing that Eric Carlson will be out until at least mid-March after undergoing left forearm surgery yesterday. Mike, it's been a busy couple days in the NHL. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And you're right. There has been no shortage of things going on in the NHL, people in and out of lineups and all the talk of getting close to trade deadline, all-star, man. It's, it feels like we're starting to get some excitement again after the lull we had around Christmas time. How are you doing, Frank? Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, grinding away. Lots of news to get to, lots of things to talk about and some hirings, uh, some additions to staff around the league. And let's start in Vancouver, where the Canucks made news yesterday, adding their first a f- female assistant general manager in franchise history in Emily Castengay. Uh, fantastic hire. I've had a chance to interact with Emily a lot in her career as a player agent. Alexi Lafreniere among her notable clients. And you can take a look at her resume here uh, as she joins the Canucks, Mike. Uh, player agent for six years, breaking barriers, a pioneer in that field in terms of uh, her interactions, having a number one overall pick, as I mentioned, in Alexi Lafreniere, the premier player in the women's game in Marie-Philippe Poulin, a former NCAA hockey player as well, has her law degree from the University of Montreal, started out her career as an internship, she called it a mentorship with the Montreal Canadiens and their GM, Pierre Gauthier, at the time. Mike, what are your impressions of the hiring? 
I think she's almost overqualified for this job. I mean, you look at all the things that Emily Castingay has accomplished in a short career as not just a player agent, but also within the lexicon of just hockey in general. There's a lot to offer here. And I think that having the law degree to me is the biggest factor in why she brings an intangible to the table here. You see it across the league now with general managers that there are more that have that background, especially at the AGM level. Uh, but I think of Julian Brisebois, you know, he's somebody who came from that same legal background and was able to parlay it into the sport. And, you know, anytime that you're able to cultivate a grouping of players that you represent as a player agent, and one of them is the first overall pick. You know it carries some weight. And I played with Antoine, Antoine Roussel and talked to him. And he says, yeah, I mean, Emily was just the best. Like he had raving reviews about her. And I think that uh, that's really important, you know, to understand that the players believed in her. And I, I, even from the standpoint of the Vancouver Canucks, they sought her out because, again, her qualifications are above and beyond what you could ever want for an AGM. And it's somebody who is aspiring to be a general manager someday. She's hungry, Frank. Like this is a person who's driven to be the best. And I think it's a fantastic hire by the Vancouver Canucks. Well, and you look at the emotion that she displayed when she was asked about the conversation, what it was like telling her clients that she was taking the next step in, his, in her career and joining the Vancouver Canucks. You could see how much she cared. And one of the big things that she, one of the big points that she made in her opening press conference was to say, hey, I know, you know, what it's like for players to be in tough positions in their career. I've dealt with, you know, different things. What she wants to bring to the Vancouver Canucks is how can we best get our players to succeed? How can we put them in the best position possible? I think it's a unique uh, insight that, you know, unless you've been on that side of the business or have been that close to players or been one yourself, it's pretty difficult to find. So no shock that there's a recent trend there in terms of teams adding to their front offices, whether it's been Kent Hughes in Montreal as a former agent, Bill Zito, you see the work that he's doing in mm -hmm. Florida. Uh, there's been a long line of agents that have been successful front office folks in the NHL. Brian Burke, go down the list, Mike Gillis, to yeah. now add Emily Castengate to the list as she uh, certainly begins her career anew out west in Vancouver. Also out west in Canada last night, Mike, tough night for Jordan Bennington in net for all seven. And it got me thinking, you know, first off, odd to see uh, a goaltender in net for that long with that many goals scored to see Craig Berube not uh, pull the trigger to to take Bennington out. But it got me thinking there must have been some nights in your career where you were like, man, can you get me out of here? Like, save me at least. Give me a little mercy pull here. Oh, especially by the time you get to five goals against in the second period, you're thinking, get me out of here now. And the hard part for Craig Berube last night was that they played the previous evening and Huso played. So you're trying to give Huso a little bit of a rest and Bennington just gets hung out to dry, man. The Blues were stuck in the mud. Some of the worst defensive hockey I've seen this season in the first two periods for that team. And it just makes me think of the night that I played against the Calgary Flames in Calgary, much like Jordan Bennington. But I was with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2009, and we came out on the right side of the ledger. We won the game 8-6, to six, but Frank, it got midway through that one. Mika Kiprasov had already gotten the hook. Curtis McElhaney had gone back in the game, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it through it because I'd allowed five goals through the second period. Maybe I can't even remember if the six was scored then, and I'm just I'm feeling the heat of the flames being shot at me in that arena. And I'm going, I may not make it through this, and I come in between the Second and third period, I've allowed two tip-in goals from Craig Conroy, another from Jerome McGinley, and Rick Tockett comes in. He's our head coach at the time. And he looks at me and goes, Mike, 
get big in there. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, at that moment, I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking like, talk, how do you want me to get big in there? I'm, I'm only as big as I can get, man. My gear, my equipment's legal. Well, we ended up winning the game eight to six. And I just, I walked out of that night laughing because some nights you, you, you allow six and you're just the, you feel terrible. And even when you win the game and allow six, you still kind of feel terrible, but at least I could hang my hat on the win. And I don't know, man, I just felt for Bennington last night because they, he has faced the hardest workload in the NHL so far this season in terms of quality of shots. And for whatever reason, the team is just not performing at him. That was a tough night for the St. Louis Blues. Get big. Like, what did he expect you to become the Incredible Hulk or something? Like, how? Like, I don't what, know. Get big what? in there. <laughs> what kind of analysis or coaching is that? Oh, man, it was great. Like, I, we've laughed about it since. I just, uh, you know, sometimes coaches don't know what to say. He, just, he, he needed a save. That's what it came down to. And I'm sure that's the, the best thing he could think of to say to me. Yeah. And the other part is you said you were like literally feeling the flames. Like, no, you actually were in that building. Yeah. Like, I, I thought you just meant you felt like you were getting torched. Like, no. no. They shoot from the heavens, man. Like that, that thing's like a <laughs> flamethrower, thousand degrees. You could feel it in the crease, even though it's at center ice. And I got to feel it six times in one game. Yikes. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's uh, Jordan Bennington knows that well now. Um, let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. They're mired in a 12 game winless streak that's tied the franchise record. Had some news this morning uh, releasing that John Torchetti is being added to their coaching staff. Mike Yo, we now know, will finish the year formally as the Flyers head coach. You know, Mike, when you take a look at the Flyers season and how it's sort of spiraled down the toilet here, what stands out to you? Like, you know, some people have said that the Flyers are the NHL's biggest disappointment this year. Um, you know, what do you look at when you see this group? And and also, given John Torchetti's track record and all the different stops that he's been in, have you ever crossed paths with him? What's What do you know about John Torchetti? Well, amazingly, Torch and I have never crossed paths on the same team. I, I've played against him plenty of times and have mutual friends that have uh, have played under him. And I think a, a fresh set of eyes was necessary here in Philadelphia. They started the year with the uh, the, the three headed dragon of head coaches uh, with between uh, Yo Vigneault and and Terry in there, and it just it hasn't worked. Uh, and is, are they the most disappointing team? You know, they might be when you lose 10 in a row and then you back that up by losing 12 in a row later in the season with some of the players they have on those contracts. I mean, I don't think you can objectively look at the Flyers and think anyone besides Giroux and Atkinson have done their job this year up to the level that they're used to for that standard. And I mean, part of it's roster construction. You know, you lose Ryan Ellis and now nobody else can move the puck. I mean, Provorov's even having a tough year there. I mean, Yandel is great on the power play, five on five. It hasn't been there. So they're thin on the blue line for a team that used to be really strong back there. They can't move the puck from it and the forwards just aren't producing. And, you know, I, I, the blues couldn't score under Mike Yo. They're not scoring under the flyers aren't scoring underneath him. They're not transitioning the puck quick enough. It's time for a major overhaul in Philadelphia. And I think the Torchetti is at least a decent, a different set of eyes for the remainder of this season. And I think this summer it's going to be clean house time in Philadelphia. They're going to need a whole new fresh set of ideas coming in there because they're going to have some work to do with the roster as well. Yeah, it certainly seems like it's trending that way. And I think the criticism from Flyers fans today is John Torchetti, really? Like he was the same guy that you brought in to replace Mike Yo when Chuck Fletcher was in Minnesota in 2016. Uh, some Flyers fans here look at it as more of the same, more Minnesota connections that are running through mm -hmm. the organization that clearly to this point, 
uh, haven't exactly paid off. And you're right, lots of decisions to make. I think, you know, you look back to the Rasmus Ristolainen trade, uh, that certainly hasn't worked out as well. And the funny no. thing is, you know, everyone said all, all of offseason was, well, all we need to do is fix our goaltending and we'll be a playoff team again. And and shockingly, Carter Hart has actually, for the most part, held up his end of the bargain. He's had a few clunker yes, nights, but more often than not, and his stats show it, he's been not the problem here. So um, that's certainly something that, uh, that they're going to have to think about. There's another team in the Metro that is also thinking about their goaltending, so to speak, and, and that would be the Washington Capitals, Vitek Vanacek making his fourth straight start. It's been unusual in the sense that no goalie has really gotten an extended run for the Caps in their crease under Peter Laviolette this year. That's his style. Um, you know, he goes with the hot hand. And in this case, a uh, decent night for Vanacek, losing to the Vegas Golden Knights by a one nothing score. We had Samantha Pell from the Washington Post on the show yesterday, and she said something that certainly caught my attention, raised an eyebrow for me, and that was that, the Washington Capitals are all in on trying to get Marc-Andre Fleury. There, I think, has been some significant interest uh, there. You know, What do you see in terms of the Caps crease, Mike, and, and where do they go from here? I'd heard those same rumblings about Marc-Andre Fleury being a person of interest, I guess you could say, with the Washington Capitals. And you know, recently, uh, I wrote about in my mailbag how Vanacek and Sam Sonoff have been going back and forth this year. And it felt like the, especially the, Laviolette in general is just waiting for somebody to grab control of that crease. And realistically, neither of them have. I mean, Sam Sonov has won more games, but there's been a slight statistical edge to Vanacek. Vanacek's been a little bit better of late, but Sam Sonov is truly the person who's got the higher ceiling in terms of what draft status says, in terms of what he he looks like when he plays. I mean, for Vanacek, for me, he's, he's very much what you see is what you get. I think he's a good NHL goaltender, but he's he's never been dominant before, whether at the American League level or the NHL level. And Samsonov hasn't hit his ceiling yet. So you've got a team in the Washington Capitals that are sitting firmly in playoffs. They've got strong players in the front end, on the back end. And I think there's just question marks in goal if either of these goaltenders can lead them to a Stanley Cup. So to me, it makes sense to go and try to chase a Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I would bet that the Washington Capitals are looking at every option they may have in goal. But I think, Frank, if they are going to make a move, it's going to be a splash. It would have to be somebody with a name, somebody with some street cred. And I'm just not sure how that's going to play out and how many of those goaltenders are available right now. You think Flurry, maybe Varlamov. There's just not that many of them. So I think it would have to be the right fit, but I could see it happening in, Van in Washington. Yeah, they've been down the Varlamov path already. I mean, do they go back there? Right. And, and to your point, it's the list is not very long. There's tons of goalies available. How much how many of them or who any of them are going to give you better than what you've got already? And that's kind of right. really the big question mark is then also what's the acquisition price. But we're just getting warmed up on the goalie talk. We've got plenty more to dive into in another edition of the Blue Paint. All right, Mike, it's time for another edition of the Blue Paint. Love some goal, nerdy goaltending talk. This day delivered to you by DoorDash. He's not tracking the puck well, getting beat clean by it. I think Rask has realistically a dozen games here to show that he can get back to form before that net gets totally turned over. And I'll tell you why, because Linus Olmark, he's been fantastic lately. He's 9-1 in his last 10 games. He has allowed more than three goals since November 11th. 
And you've still had Jeremy Swayman lurking who had done really well. So I think it's real. Like Rask is going to feel some pressure here, but he's still the rock of the of the Bruins. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And that team's firmly in playoffs right now. I can't see them dropping out. So there's a bit of a leash. But man, if Rask doesn't get it going in the next five, six games, by the time he tops out at about a dozen in the season, kind of don't know where Bruce Cassidy's going to go with his goaltending. Because to me, I'd be going to Olmark an awful lot with that win-loss record. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to. I can't imagine what the dynamic is like there between Swayman, who didn't really do anything wrong, and Olmark, no. who's been fine himself. Like That creates a little bit of an awkwardness, I'd imagine, even with a legend in the franchise coming in like to Garask, someone that everyone likes and looks up to. It's like, hey, man, at the end of the day, it's about delivering. So that's mm-hmm. certainly a situation to keep an eye on. And another one that kind of caught my attention, too, we just talked about uh, Jordan Bennington's rough night in Calgary. And, and it's sort of a bigger picture than that with what's going on with Billy Huso. You see uh, Craig Bruby say after the game last night, he's not concerned about Jordan Bennington, but Huso has been really, really good. The last stretch had played three straight games uh, is, you know, it, it's probably, it feels a little bit premature to talk about a crease controversy. It seems like Bennington is the guy there, especially being in the first year of a six year deal. But what does this mean for Huso and his future? Well, it, I'd say it's complicated. <laughs> we hear that about relationships all the time. And I, I think it's true for the St. Louis Blues. You've got five years left at $6 million for Jordan Bennington. Huso's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. But if you ask Craig Berube, the head coach of the Blues, he could care less about contract status. He just wants to win. And I think that's what's going on right now is that Huso has been lights out. And the Blues have been loose all season long. Okay, Jordan Bennington mentioned it earlier. He has faced the hardest workload in the league. It's been less for Billy Huso. But here's the juxtaposition. Huso's been lights out and Bennington has been good. But the team has played better in front of Huso for whatever reason. And this is a real thing that can't be quantified by traditional stats, advanced analytics, that sometimes a team just plays better for somebody. And this happened previously to Jordan Bennington. When he came onto the scene in 2018, he displaced Jake Allen because he played so well. So there's a history here. I think what it comes down to is they're going to battle it out. I think the team still believes in both goaltenders and believes that Jordan Bennington can get things back on track, but he needs a team to play better in front of him so he can gain that confidence again. Huso's going to come down to earth at some point, but I love his game. I actually think that this is a strength for the St. Louis Blues. They've got these two guys performing at a high level on a team that should be uh, firmly in the playoffs. Not if they play like the way they did last night against Calgary, mind you, but more often than not, this is a pretty good team. and They've got two good goaltenders going right now. Yeah, and you also gave a little love previously to Charlie Lindgren as a third guy mm-hmm. that could potentially find his way onto an NHL roster near the deadline if needed or potentially in case the Blues ever faced injury. So Lindgren, an- another name to keep an eye on, and Huso as a pending unrestricted free agent. Wanted to ask you as we get closer to the deadline as well about Anton Forsberg. He's faced a ton of rubber for the Ottawa Senators this year, yet he still has a winning record. Has he sort of been the sneaky, underrated netminder in Ottawa that could be drawing a lot of attention when it comes to the deadline? Is he someone that could help come in and help a team? Oh, dude, this guy's been under siege. Every goalie in Ottawa has been under siege. But Anton Forsberg has managed to put up a winning record. And I think it's kind of miraculous that he's got a 912 save percentage considering the quality of attempts he's faced. St. Louis has given up the most quality attempts in the league. Ottawa's right behind them per ClearSight Analytics. And I think that Anton Forsberg at 29 years old on a $900,000 contract, by the way, small cap hit 
He's the type of goaltender that you could pick up as a total sneaker that might make a difference. I mean, I think Edmonton, like they're not going to get a big dog without giving up big assets right now. Like maybe they can somehow get Forsberg out of Ottawa and he makes a difference. Okay. And I just think that at this stage of the game with Forsberg, you know, he's got a bit of leverage here. You know, he can, he can kind of put the pressure on GM Pierre Dorian, I think as the season moves along, if he keeps playing as well to either extend him or trade him because Dorian's going to want to get some value out of it if possible, especially with Matt Murray tied up for another several years with a long contract that's going to be immovable, I think. And Forsberg's been the better of the three goalies. Philip Gustafson's there as well. He's two, six and one. Murray's three, eight and one. I think Forsberg might be an undercover target at the trade deadline that might even have a bit of a bidding war going on for Ottawa GM Pierre Dorian. Yeah, I'd be shocked, in fact, if the Edmonton Oilers didn't at least inquire about Forsberg in terms of his availability. I think they were looking at some goaltenders that could have been available for some late round picks. My sense, based on how well Forsberg has played, the cap hit and everything that goes into it with Ottawa reading the market, that they're looking probably for a little bit more than that. We'll see what ends up happening there on the Forsberg front. This has been another edition of the Blue Paint, delivered by DoorDash. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. There's been lots of conversation, Mike, in the last number of days on social media about JT Miller. I mentioned last night that there are at least four teams that have expressed interest in JT Miller to this point with the Vancouver Canucks. They are the New York Rangers, the Boston Bruins, the Calgary Flames, and the Minnesota Wild. So my question to you is, Either of those four teams, or feel free to go off the board, which one is the best fit for JT Miller moving forward? I'd like to see him as a Boston Bruin. And there's a couple of reasons why here. I think for the Calgary Flames, quite honestly, I don't know how how JT Miller fits into that dynamic. I don't know under Daryl Sutter how well that relationship would go. That's a real concern of mine. but I think that looking at the Rangers, that's a team that's got a ton of firepower. Could he help them five on five? Yes, I think so. Uh, give him some more depth. He'd be a good fit there. I do like that, but I just like the Bruins better. Uh, I, I think that it's center ice position for the Bruins this year has been in flux. Eric Halla has done a good job moving up to the second line and playing with Taylor Hall. But you have to think that JT Miller would be an upgrade in that respect. He could play first, second. You put him on either of those, you can chuck him on the wing if you have to. And I like the versatility of him. That matters to me. He's not just a straight up centerman or winger. He can help just about anybody's lineup. And, you know, Minnesota, would he help there? Of course, he'd help anywhere. This is a guy who makes your team more dynamic. But I, I think Minnesota kind of has something special going on. I appreciate that they may be looking to take a swing and make the team even better. But I like how that team's constructed as is. So to me, I like the Bruins. Frank, I'm curious. You got any idea what, what streaks out to you for Miller where you'd like to where you think he'd slot in best? No, I I think the Rangers stand out a bit as the team that sort of has been next level in terms of interest. They they have a fit there. He knows what it's like. He's comfortable with the Mm -hmm. organization having already played there. And um, that makes sense. I just wonder about Minnesota and how active they're going to be at the deadline because they have all that dead cat money coming uh, $14 million in dead space that it's like, this is one year to really try and make hay. I think the other part about Miller is that he's really attractive for any team as a trade piece with that one extra year on his deal. So you get at least two playoff runs with JT Miller. 
yeah, at, at a super reasonable cap hit for being a point per game player. So Miller's done everything they, they could ask in Vancouver. I know that Jim Rutherford's phone has been burning up as he's been just trying to get this GM hired. It's close. We're talking a number of days, hopefully uh, before the end of this week, that the Vancouver Canucks have a general manager in place. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's get to our daily faceoff daily bets. Tyler Uremchuk, how did you do last night? Uh, we got the split last night, so we nailed the puck line in the Colorado game, barely with a 2-0 victory. Pavel Francouz looked great in that one and uh, missed on the Mika Zabinijad point prop. So we'll bounce, look to bounce back and get a sweep tonight. I'm actually loading it up. I got three plays, so let's jump right into it, courtesy of our friends over at Points bet. I'm starting with that top matchup. Nashville in Seattle to take on the Kraken and the Preds. Big favorites, minus 180 on the money line. I'm going to chase a little bit of a better payout here. I'm going to go with Nashville in regulation at minus 115. They've won back-to-back games, and they're hitting the road where they've actually been pretty good this year with a record of 13-7-3 away from Bridgestone Arena. The Kraken, on the other hand, they're below 500 are on home ice this season and they've lost nine of their uh, nine of the games in regulation as well. So I, I like I like Nashville the role in regulation in this one. The next one, Edmonton, Vancouver. The Oilers hit the road after a big win against the Calgary Flames over the weekend. And I like their offense to keep the ball rolling tonight. Vancouver has some COVID issues. They very well may be going with either Martin or DiPietro between the pipes, and neither one of them has five career games played in the NHL. The Oilers have hit their team total in two of their last three games. I like them to do it tonight. Over three and a half goals for the Oilers is playing paying plus 115 on points bet. And to wrap things up, my player prop, we're going with a Brady Kachuk assist in the Senators versus Sabres game. I love the payout at plus 135. This is a guy who's hit this mark in three of his last six games and has four assists in that span as well. Buffalo's allowed 16 goals against in their last five games. Ottawa scored 15 in their last three. So I think Ottawa should be in that three, four goal range. And I think Kachuk can get involved with an apple. So those are my three plays for tonight, Frank. Yeah, it's interesting to see who starts in goal tonight for the Vancouver Canucks. If it is Mike DiPietro, again, as the Canucks are still dealing with their COVID concerns in goal, uh, certainly something to keep an eye on on dailyfaceoff.com with our starting goalies page uh, as Tyler looks to that Edmonton Oilers over team total. Thank you to Tyler. Now, Mike, let's get to my favorite segment of the show, and that's garbage time. What's caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the NHL? The floor is yours. It's what didn't catch my eye last night. I couldn't watch the Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals because NHL Network is really difficult to get where I live in St. Louis unless you spend about 250 bucks a month on cable and 900 channels that I don't want. And that's tough, man. Like NHL Network is considered a national carrier for games, but it's not like this is this is not like it's over the air. This isn't NBC or ABC or even ESPN that's in most households, whether you're streaming, whether you have regular cable. NHL Network is a really high tiered product in a lot of households in the United States. And you simply can't watch the game. You know, I, I have ESPN Plus. It's fantastic, but it's blacked out on that because NHL Network is the only thing that carries it. And it's just tough, man. Like the local markets get it. Vegas got it on their local carrier. So did Washington. That's fantastic. But nationwide, nobody else could unless you had a network. I understand we're trying to protect the rights of our, of our, of the NHL's broadcasting groups, but man, it's just so frustrating. Like, how can this happen? How can we not have a workaround to this? How can they not sell enough revenue to, you know, let these games be shown 
on ESPN Plus or wherever else you need. Why can't NHL Network have its own standalone app that you could watch the games? I would gladly pay for that. Absolutely would pay for that, but it's not available. So I think it's just one of those things that we could really do better moving forward in hockey is making sure everybody has access to all the games they want to watch. Look at you providing a new revenue stream for the NHL. Hey, put your NHL network on an app. I will pay for that. How about that? Uh, yeah, it. I can understand the frustration for me. It's I think it's 10 bucks a month to add NHL network. And as you said, a bunch of other channels that I'll never watch. So for me, 10 yeah. bucks, I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll do it. But I see where I'd you're love at. to have that option. You're like, I would do yeah, that in like a heartbeat. You know, no chance. I, I don't think anyone would be signing up for that and certainly understand your frustration. Let's hope that they can uh, work on that and figure out that as uh, they uh, figure out what they do with NHL Network heading into next season. Some changes potentially coming on that front as well. Mike, that's all the time that we have for today's show. Thanks so much for watching. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. Mike, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you on Thursday, and we'll see everyone else here right again, 12 noon tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.